The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Okay, I'm here in St. Louis, Missouri with Leonard Zide. Pleasure to see you, John. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks for wanting to do the podcast. We're getting some traction with the podcast, but there's a big piece of our puzzle missing, and that's the topic of paper. And since you're the president of the PSI chapter, boy, that's a tongue twister, the PSI chapter, you're the perfect guy. Well, the paper stock industries is obviously promoting paper and recycled paper, everything about recycled paper. So I'm happy here to talk to you and answer any questions you might have. Well, I think this is great, and, and thank you. And, all right. The biggest question going into the election in 2020 is, in my opinion, what do you do with the pizza box? <laughs> Those election night pizza boxes. Yeah, I mean, the president's got to make a stand, the candidate. All right, the reason why I bring this up, you know, at Sierra, we, we handle paper and cardboard. You've actually bought some of our car- cardboard in the past. And uh, have you? Wait a minute. No, I bought some paper. Yes, you did. Yes, Not you enough, did. And I could buy some tomorrow. Okay, so, me. all right, for full transparency, I'd like listeners to know you, you don't own any Sierra equipment, no. but we do business. We have, and we always talk, and uh, we share information, which is great. But the pizza box, I did an interview with someone who said, pizza box, greasy, dirty, throw it away, okay? Then I've talked to other people who said, oh, no, no, we take it. Pizza boxes are recyclable. With that said, most of the major mills such as Pratt, Westrock, and others, accepted in their corrugated in the residential stream. However, there are a few municipalities that don't accept it because they may have uh, uh, drop-off bins in their community, more rural communities, and they don't get picked up as quickly. So those boxes stay in there, and then the rodents come, and they don't want to have a resident opening up that uh, drop-off box and having a big rat come out. But the box itself, is recyclable, not the slick paper in it. We want you to remove all the food items out of it, but the box is recyclable. So how come Domino's and Pizza Hut and all these places that deliver pizza have yet to put that in any of their advertising that our pizza box is recyclable if you please do this? Why haven't they done that? I think there was a reluctance at first to do it because of contamination problems, but I think uh, if you look at the mills that make them, and the mills that use them, we'd all tell you they're recyclable. It's interesting you should say that because there are other companies who have products that are saying may be recyclable <laughs> or even claiming to be recyclable that are not economically recyclable. So that's the so that segues into, you know, economical recycling. What is and what isn't? The cup, Starbucks and Pete's Coffee, Blue Bottle Coffee, coffee all over America, only all these coffee at McDonald's, it doesn't matter. It's everywhere. There's this battle line. Yes, it is. No, it isn't recycled, the coffee cup. So we've, we've cleared up pizza box. You put a clean pizza box with no pizza, no food droppings, no that plastic... Uh, slick paper. Slick paper. You take that out, it's a good quality OCC. Yes. Okay. Coffee cup now. What's coffee the cup. real... What's the reality? What are we being told as the public, Leonard? And what's reality? Many of the fast food chains would like to tell you that they're recyclable. But most mills don't want to accept them as a whole load of cups because there's a poly liner in those cups. 
Um, there are some mills that can handle it depending on the kind of batch systems they have. Uh, but there's also the lid, the plastic lid that comes with the cup. Um, to me, the, they always say their consumers want these items recycled. I say if their consumers are recycled or economic, or sorry, if their consumers are environmentally conscious, then you should have a recycled content in your cup. Because many of these places don't have any. Some might have 10%. So you're saying, okay, instead of focusing on is that coffee cup actually could be put into the recycling stream and made into new, that that coffee cup should be made from more recyclable product. That's right. In some cases, they don't have any in it. Okay, why? Because the, if you ask certain companies, they'll tell you that'll raise the cost of the coffee. And I say that if their consumers are environmentally conscious and want them to be concerned about recycling, they'll pay a penny more for their coffee. Well, won't that drive the clever marketing gurus from whatever coffee house to say in their ads and their marketing and whatever, hey, our coffee cup is made from X amount of percent of, that's an opportunity for somebody. It Raise is. the price. People are willing, you know, the environmentally conscious. Look, big corporations today take it very seriously who they have speaking for them, you know, in case somebody gets in trouble, they, 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 they cut that spokesperson, you know, the endorsement person, as well as now, you know, there's so many issues, big corporations and environmental sustainability. And so I, I'm wondering, now let's get away from coffee cups and go into other products that are manufactured. Do you see a push in the U.S. products that are being put on the shelves to have more recycled content in the product that is actually being sold, or are we still light years away from that? 100%. I think we're seeing it in a lot of categories. Food packaging is certainly concentrating on how to limit the amount of plastic and how to increase recycled content. Uh, graphic packaging, I know, is doing a lot in their food packaging efforts as well as some other mills. I know that um, the the mills themselves are working on ways with their customers to add recycled content where they can. Uh, there are companies like Pratt and uh, Westrock and Green Bay Packaging that make products that are 100% recycled. And what are they making? So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm John Q. Public, and you just named three mills, Pratt, Westrock, Green Bay Packaging. I thought you were going to say Green Bay Packers, but okay. I'm a Packer fan. Sorry, you St. Louis. You lost your football team, so you guys are in hell out here. What happened to Oakland? Sorry. Well, I'm not, I'm not a Raider fan. <laughs> I can care less about them. Um, but what do they make? What what products are they making that John Q. Public goes in and goes, oh, wow, I didn't know this is where it came from. Who, what are they making? What You got any, for instance, because well, people I mean, want to know. I mean, whenever they get a package from Amazon. Okay, they're good, usually, good. They're good. usually getting it in a box. Yes. And that box is usually made out of recycled material from one of the companies that you just named, as well as a host of others that are is, all in that, all in the uh, e-commerce segment of Container Board. Is Amazon doing their bit for environmental sustainability? They are, actually. They're continuing to try and find better ways to save money and be more environmentally conscious. This year, even though they sold more items than they did last year, they actually purchased less boxes because they're looking at alternative packaging. And, but is that alternative packaging recyclable? Is that alternative packaging made from recycled products? And does that it move a bigger footprint? That is the big question. 
if they go to, for example, a paper envelope that has bubble wrap inside of it, that is not as recyclable. No, it's contaminated. It's cross-contaminated product. Exactly. But they are trying to find ways to use less uh, material, even when they use a box, to right-size their box and do other things. Okay, so the biggest company that recycles used to be, and I'm taking waste management out of this because they have the MRFs that run all the different, you know, the collection. But isn't Walmart the largest recycler with all the paper that they Who's the largest? Walmart probably generates more corrugated than any other com company in the United States. So they're doing their share of... And they are also uh, trying to get to zero waste, sustainability. And they have programs where they uh, bundle all their recyclable products in what they call sandwich bales. And then they go to processes where they're separated out, sorted, and sold. Aspirational real... Aspirational recycling. Yeah. So what is the real number then, Leonard? Let's be real. Because you know what? Everybody would love to hear zero waste. I, I, I'm... I'm that's a tough pill for me to swallow. I can't believe we can actually get to zero waste because there's just still at this moment too many products that are so contaminated, so cross-contaminated with different products, paper, plastic, and steel on something. And I mean, there's a variety of things that really you're never going to be able It's going to go to landfill. So it's what does zero waste really look like? It's a question of whether something can be economically recycled in many cases. Ah. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, well, let's and talk if about the generator that. of that material is willing to pay the processing costs to have that material separated and sorted, then you can reach a higher level of recyclability. All right, well, let's talk about that because economical recycling, the value of commodities across the board in all the recycling industry from scrap iron, copper, alum aluminum is not doing well. Do you and know for the first time that I can recall a, a dairy? Uh, plastic dairy bottle, which we call number two clear, is actually worth more than aluminum on a per pound basis. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's really unusual. Okay. That tells you the state of things. Yeah, it's definitely different. So here's where I'm going with this. Paper products, look, we handle paper and I haven't seen, I've not experienced cardboard at the pricing levels. We're not supposed to talk pricing, I suppose, but it's the lowest I've ever seen it. Okay? Now, is this a result of, as a nation, or let's take North America or just stick to the U.S., we've, we've built so many MRFs, so much blue bin recycling, so much push into the consciousness of the individual consumer for recycling. And it's happening, but the problem is, is we're putting far more supply of recycled paper than there is demand for this paper. Is that a net effect of what we're seeing? Well, what we're seeing is uh, a system that was designed on collection and not uh, on the demand side. You know, the, the recycling has several arrows to it. And sure. we worked on the collection, but we haven't worked on the demand. Why? When, when people in their homes want to recycle, the first thing they think of is they go to their bin. They don't go to the store and say, which of these products that I'm going to buy, which tissue, which toweling, you know, what products are made out of recycled content? If people did more of that and increased the demand for recycling, the rest of the system would take care of itself. Is there, okay, let's say... And you're, if you're talking about you know, 47 million tons of collected paper uh, last year, uh, you know, we can only use so much of that in the United States. How much can we use? So we use approximately, in 2018, 
uh, we only used about nine. Let's see, we only exported 19 million out of the 47 million tons. All right, and where did the other uh, domestic? Those were there was okay. 19 million went to export. The rest was domestically used. And uh, this year, uh, by the way, out of that uh, 47 million tons, the predominant amount of that, two thirds of that paper was OCC that was collected. Cardboard for those who don't know what OCC, OCC yeah. is all corrugated containers. So 32 million tons of OCC was collected and of that 32 million tons, only 20 million tons was used in the United States. The balance of it was shipped to Indonesia, oh. Vietnam, China. How much of that was consumed by a mill? Do you know? Well, we're saying domestic mills, they consumed 20 okay. million. How much was collected of that? Uh, okay, in other words, what I'm trying to say is there's a glut out there because yes. the price is it. So how much is sitting in warehouses? What percentage now, if you, let's just use uh, for easy figuring, for every thousand tons of, of cardboard being collected, how much is it actually going to be consumed in the same year instead of having to be warehoused or stored? I understand where you're going with this. And the bottom line is that there is not enough demand to meet the supply of corrugated and mixed paper that's collected out there. Right. And so there is some of it, and some communities are going to a landfill with it. So we some people are sitting okay. on it. So the, the, the adverse effect of being great in collecting and trying to keep it from the landfill, there's an adverse effect to where now the commodity values are so low, the cost right. of, of going through the MRF and recycling it exceeds the value. And yeah. now, sure. now, okay, one of the people I podcasted with Jason, uh, uh, Jason Young from the Allen Company told me that in Los Angeles, now this is Los Angeles, a more expensive place uh, to do business. California's more expensive. But yet he said, the blue bin recycling costs $130 a ton for separation. So let's just say in the Midwest, it's less. A lot of these commodities, these paper products, aren't even close to $100 a ton as far as value goes. So how do we bridge that gap? What's gonna to have to happen? Because if communities don't wanna pay for it, that stuff's gonna go straight to the landfill. Well, it wasn't always this way. As you know, prices took a big drop when China decided to drop out of the market of purchasing uh, recyclable materials directly. And so um, they will end up needing the fiber, but they're gonna take it in a different form. Instead of us shipping our corrugated to China, we're going to ship it to Indonesia, India, places in the United States that'll process it and clean it up and then send it over there. Okay. So I think it's, it's just a matter of time for those trade new trade routes to, to be designed. I think we have a tariff problem with China right now, which is also slowing things down, slowing down their economy. So their need for fiber isn't that great right now, but they yeah. will need fiber and that will clear up a lot of this. But the bottom line is, it costs right now it costs to recycle and yeah, well there's a cost communities have to realize that if they want to continue recycling they're going to have to have a budget and a cost versus sending it in the landfill okay i think that's important because people love to say to me when i ask them what i do i'm in the recycling business and they say oh that's well, i do my bit I, I recycle you know and i kind of went okay well oh it must be a great business i go well you, what they don't know is the, the true cost and the millions of dollars that go into these plants that, for these MRFs and all collection, everything that has to do with separating stuff out of, out of the stream going to the landfill, you know, it's a commodity. Paper is a commodity. It's not waste. It's an actual commodity. So I want to get that. I want to clarify that. You know, scrap is not waste. And paper, 
which some people call it waste paper, scrap, they don't like that word, but recycled paper is not waste because it actually has a value. Now, true. granted, it may have a value below the cost of production, it still has a value, so we can't call it waste. Correct. When are new mills going to be, when's the investment in the United States and North America happening? When are we, we going to be building? We have new mills that are being built right now. Where Pratt, uh, Pratt just opened up a brand new mill in Ohio. Green Bay Packaging is building a brand new facility uh, that'll be open in 2021. Where is um, that going to be? That's going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Excellent. You've got uh, McKinley Paper is opening up a new mill uh, probably uh, in the next quarter or two quarters up in uh, Washington State uh, in Port Angeles. Uh, Biopapel's expanding mills in Mexico. Westrock just built a new mill in Monterey. Uh, there, there's, uh, there are mills that are just coming online that the Chinese bought that were closed, like Whitcliffe, Kentucky, and up in Byron, Wisconsin, and up in Maine. And so there, there are new mills coming online in the United States. All right, so for, for me capacity. and for those going to listen to this podcast, Leonard, these new mills, what percentage of their product to make new paper products is going to be from recycled Paper. The ones I just named are 100% recycled. Well, that's fantastic. So yeah. now, that's how many tons will that be? What you name, how many tons is that going to be? Because, you know, we know a steel mill melts well, between 60 mills, to 100,000 tons a month. Okay, those what mills, are these mills on average using? are uh, between 30 and 40,000 tons a month. That's significant. Yeah, and those are tons that uh, are not being purchased right now. So they're going to be, they're going to be take, they, they would either be taking market share or pulling tons that are not being purchased right now. So that's going to help the market. Uh, Pratt certainly has helped the market in the Midwest by opening up their mill in Valparaiso several years ago and now in Ohio, uh, which has been fantastic. And then, of course, Byron, there's a mill in Appleton, Wisconsin that opened up recently, uh, a mill up in the Upper Peninsula that opened up recently. And by the way, several of these mills were mills that were shut down at one time. Okay, so I think good news, sounds like good news is on the horizon. So maybe with all these new production mills coming on, this is going to be a good thing. So, okay, let's talk about paper. From recycled paper, what is the number one product made today in the United States that the consumers are buying that is really made from recycled paper? Well, container board. Container board. Boxes is by far the biggest item. Um, What's next? A lot of the paper packaging that they buy things in. You know, okay. for example, uh, toothpaste comes in a in a uh, folding carton box. And, right. You know, candy. All those things they all add up. They're all significant. Well, and I, some are made out of. A lot of them are made out of recycled product. Okay. What about at uh, like fast foods that have the napkins now? That what, what is Good that? Good question. Mean? Uh, you know, you, when you go to a fast food restaurant or you go to a sports stadium, okay, and you get a, you get a napkin. Sometimes they're white, sometimes they're, they're brown. brown. Um, the brown are made brown because those companies that are purchasing them want people to know that they're made out of recycle. And they figure if they look brown, people will consider that and know that they're made out of recycled content. Yet there are a lot of napkins that are made out of white and tissue and tiling that are made white that use other products like sorted office paper and things like that to make them white. Uh, so um, there, there is a lot, but unfortunately, what happened in the tissue business was people were worried about there being enough office paper to make uh, tissue and tiling, and the mills were worried that they would run out of supply because everybody was using less and less paper. Okay. So some of the new tissue mills that came online recently used virgin pulp, and so or they use they have an ability to swap back and forth. So and as they did that, just as they did that, 
China said we're not going to buy any more SOP, uh, which they used for duplex board over there, which all came back in the United States. How many States. tons was that? You know, I wish I could give you an example, but thousands of okay, tons. Okay, so, so tens now of thousands of tons. all that paper. Okay, but if you're making tissue, don't you want a cheap virgin material like steel mills? No, you they do. love when scrap prices are down. Oh, the mills love, the, the mills that buy sort of office paper in this country love the fact that it's dropped significantly uh, a third to half the value um, over the last number of months. Um, but, as I said, several of the mills had turned to go to another direction. And, well, when and, they and one of the large mills that bought sorted office paper uh, was recently bought by the Chinese and who were taking and buying mixed paper instead so they could make a, a product that they could, clean product they can send to China. So those several thousand tons a month are back in the, in the marketplace again. Mm, okay. Where's the future going of recycled paper? Where, where, when you see all the things, all new products and packaging and what have you, as the you know, United States, we're a big consumer country. And, and, and Jason Shanker, who was on my podcast um, that was just released, said that he doesn't believe the United States is going to go into a recession because the United States spends a lot of money. The consumers buy a lot of products. So where's paper going? What's What's the few, what new thing that you've seen or heard that's going to be really unique to, for paper recycling? It's going to enhance it. Well, in the short term, you know, everybody looked at the e-commerce as being the big thing for container board business, and it had grown for the last ten years at about two and a half percent a year. Well, this last year it's flat um, because people are they're looking at alternative packaging and and so forth. So, um, the container board business is relatively flat right now, but it's going to come back. And, I, and I, believe, I believe in America, I believe in the youth of America, and I think our kids are more conscious about environmentally recycling, and I think they're going to demand more products made out of recycled content, and I think that that uh, will pull the demand side, will help the supply. You know, I just thought of something. iPhone, Apple. The box that the Apple iPhone comes in, it's a very thick mm -hmm. cardboard box. Is that made from recycled fiber? I don't know, but I know Apple's very environmentally conscious. Well, I know they are. But I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. So should not American consumers should be asking that of the companies they're buying their products from, that they demand that the products that they buy come in a recycled? Yes, yes. It has to be driven by the consumer because they're the ones the corporations are listening to. And if they don't care, the corporation isn't going to care. What about government? What's government's role in there? Now look, I, I'm a, I don't want government in our business. It, it, they already drive it. I, I think that's the, that is really the answer. It needs to come from the consumer. We don't want the government in our business. Every time they step in, even when they think they're doing something positive, as maybe you and I would think so on the recycling side, there's always these unintended consequences down the road. Uh, just like the energy tax credit uh, had alternative consequences that they hadn't planned on. And uh, when, when uh, the Clinton-Gore administration was in and they decided to raise the amount of recycled content in government paper, mm -hmm. there was such a demand uh, that prices for recycled content went through the, for recycled paper went through the roof and so the cost of the paper went through the roof and the government couldn't afford it anymore. <laughs> They're the largest purchase of paper in the country. So they had to cut back on the recycled content it, again. It's interesting, in our discussion there's so many unintended consequences from recycling, from wanting to do it, creating the low values, 
from doing it as the government did on the Clinton Gore, and now the cost of that paper is so much more than the regular paper out of the Virgin Papers. So that, that's fairly interesting. I got here, I, I saw this, and I wanted to bring this to your attention. May, June, scrap magazine from the Trade Association, ISRI, Institute of Scrap Recycling Industry, 2014. And it's a cover that says the quality question, can cleaner bells reverse the decline in export paper demand? I don't think we heeded this warning because export paper demand is... We've been telling, uh, paper stock industries, you know, chapter in Israel have been telling people that we have to maintain our quality uh, because uh, what we're seeing right now is other countries that are starting to buy our product are saying, well, if China is only going to take a half a percent of contaminants, we only want a half a percent. We don't want somebody else's junk in our country. And so we have to have better quality or we will close off markets to ourselves. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think, uh, by and large, the uh, processing plants in this country have a lot of good players and they're all heeding that. And the quality today, whether it goes export or domestically, has gotten better. And I have to say, that's a tough thing to do when the price of the material keeps going down, to tell somebody they need to add another sorter or spend another few million dollars on optical sorters when the value of the material has gone down. Well, that, that's true. You know, some of the, the balers that we've sold into MERS, um, there has been a major upgrade in sorting systems in the optical sorting, uh, you know, for plastics as well as paper. I mean, you know, we're focusing on paper on this podcast, but they've spent a lot of money to try to enhance the productivity of their sort and keeping it cleaner. But maybe it'd be a little, too little too late. No, I don't think so, because I think we need fiber out there. I just think we have to keep pressing on it. I think the, the environmental, condi the uh, economic conditions have led to some of this also. But I do think we're going to work, work our way out of it. Like I said, we have a lot of very positive, great processors out there, big companies and small companies, uh, that are doing a lot to clean things up. We're starting to, to see robotics in our plants now, as well as the optical sorters. So we keep trying to find more technology to do it better and make it cleaner. But the, the, I have to say one thing. Go ahead, no, no, go, please. And that is that, again, it goes back to the, uh, to the residences and consumer products. You know, we all want to recycle, but sometimes we have this aspirational recycling, which you mentioned before. We want something to be recycled, and so we throw it in the bin. You know, we have these electric lights from Christmas that don't work anymore. Well, they have copper in them, they're plastic, we'll throw them in the bin. And so we have to get rid of aspirational recycling. In order for our recycling program to work, you know, when in doubt, throw it out. Don't throw it in the recycling bin. Let's let let's let the, the the quality problem starts at the resident. It's what they're putting in the bins that shouldn't be there. Okay. So bowling balls. You know, I was talking to some folks at waste management. They get thousands of tons of bowling balls every year. What do they do in with the recycling them? stream? They have they have to go to landfill. I, you know, if they recycle those, I don't know. Can't they make cannonballs out of them? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, it's fascinating because paper, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in your office, and, and as I look around your office, you know, I see all the ribbons and, and or the, the badges from all the ISRI shows and you know, all the great paper products. And you know what? As much as you see paperless you know, go paperless, Citibank, go pay, you know, or Wells Fargo, go, go paperless with your, right. with your report. Um, 
you know, all the electronic age is, is great, but it gets hacked, and people like to get that hard copy. Yeah, recycle, you know, using paper is not a bad thing. Paper comes from trees that are a renewable resource. We grow trees. We're not going to the rainforest of Amazon to get trees to make paper out of. You know, we in the United States grow our trees in an environmentally responsible way, and for every tree that gets pulled out and cut down to make paper out of, they're planting more trees in its place. It's a plantation, and so you are raising trees to harvest and replacing them. No more than you'd say, don't eat corn because you cut down the husk. It's a renewable resource, get planted again. All right, but, okay, I think we should, should review this a little bit. Trees are being planted, they're being farmed for paper. Okay, very simple. Corn, feed for animals and for food products. Trees, paper product. What's most cost effective? Is it cheaper to, to plant a tree, grow it, put it through a mill and make new paper? Or is it cheaper to take recyclable paper? Because it, it's, it, there's two industries here. You know, there's people who get their job from planting trees and then harvesting those trees and running them through the mills. You know, there are people who have jobs because, and it's not a bad job. This is not a dirty job that like some people would like to say because it's planted for the purpose of making paper. So w w where's the balance there, Leonard? Well, I think it really depends on the product that you're making to some extent, the amount of recycled content you can put in that product. For example, there are boxes that are made out of 100% recycled fiber. There are some that are made out of mixed paper. That tends to be more lightweight packaging, where uh, the uh, products that are made out of pulp usually tend to be a heavier weight. That's not a, a rule, and, okay. and I don't know the exact mixture. I just know there are companies out there that have 100% recycled mills, and they also have mills that are blend, that have maybe 70 or 80% wood, and 20% recycled content. So we're not really destroying the planet, are we? When we take trees from a tree farm. No, no, we're not. But when we make a product, a paper product, out of those trees, you know, the good thing is that we're recycling it. And we're using it, you know, sometimes that paper gets recycled up to seven times. So it's a life cycle of seven times. So you could take a virgin tree, plant and make cardboard, a big box for your appliance, TV box. You know, you mm -hmm. buy a big 80-inch TV for your Super Bowl, Christmas is coming, and there's going to be a lot of cardboard and paper at Christmas, right? That's true. Okay. And Hanukkah, let's not forget our, our friends, right? You saved me from making <laughs> that call. Thank you, John. <laughs> well, my dad's partner was Morris Rosenberg, so I grew up knowing when Hanukkah and Christmas was always, you know, the same thing. But anyway, um, seven times life cycle. So, it seems to me that the world of paper actually is very sustainable from the standpoint of growing trees, very sustainable from the paper being reused because it has a seven, you could reuse it seven times. I think people need to know that. I think people need to know, A, we're not destroying the planet, and sometimes you need a little heavier, you can't use all the cardboard to make all the new paper, can you? All, I don't think so. Okay, so I think we have to be, people have to have reasonable expectations that, a, we're not destroying the planet when we harvest trees that are grown for that purpose because not everything can be made from recycled paper. We need more products from recycled paper. There's no question. We need more of that to help that flow because we have a glut right now. That see, we do need. That's the big difference. When you see communities that say, we don't want people to use shopping bags and we're going to tax them, and they tax plastic bags, and they tax paper bags. The two are totally different. 
One gets back into the recycling stream used over and over again, and one ends up going to a landfill. So, you know, uh, it's totally different. Paper and plastic, always use paper. Wouldn't people say the plastic makers that that plastic is recyclable? I'm not sure that that great of plastic. There are some homes for it, but the majority of it is difficult to recycle. Again, you're talking about economically recycling, mm -hmm. and those plastic bags get into a MRF, they get around the gears, they get in the conveyors, and they create a lot of problems. And so they're not something that MRFs like to handle. All right, well, you know, we, we've, we've had a great discussion here. Let's, I want to wrap it up, but I want to go back to something. I want you to tell me what's the most clever use of paper and the recycling into a new product that you have seen. They're actually trying to find ways to put beer cans using a paper product, uh, unlike a regular six-pack tote okay. they're using for that. I'd say the other thing that's really uh, come online now is when people get... Uh, they order from a, uh, a company that sends them everything they need to do to cook a meal and it comes right. in a box. It used to have styrofoam in it. Okay. There are some companies now that are starting to use a paper molded fiber product okay. that provides the insulation they need that holds the temperature. That's probably a, a pretty major change. So a fiber product that actually retains the temperature, because that's important, styrofoam is an insulator. Mm -hmm. right. So now we're making ins a, a, an actual product from paper that's, that insulates as well as styrofoam. But you know, uh, one of the biggest insulators out there is paper. If you look at a lot of people's attic, what they're blowing up there is paper, newspaper. It's been treated with a uh, baratic acid so that it uh, doesn't burn, uh, also keeps termites away. But uh, a lot of insulation is made out of cellulose, which is newspaper. So it's a good insulator, it's a good product. Egg cartons, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you have a choice of yeah. taking your eggs, in a molded fiber carton that's right. probably been made out of newspaper or getting a plastic or getting a styrofoam container. If you really want to do the environmentally conscious thing, you'll buy the ones that come in the, uh, in the cellulose, the, the molded fiber. Fantastic. You know, we buy all our eggs with that because the organic eggs come in that box. You don't find it in the, the styrofoam box. That's funny. Because I know in my house, because I like to cook. And so I know what I'm, what I'm pull out a carton, it's always mm -hmm. that fiber right. uh, container. Fascinating. All right, Leonard, listen, last word to you. As people who listen to this podcast, we've talked about all the different things about paper. What's, what's something you want people to understand that maybe we didn't cover today about paper that they really need to know? I think it's actually one of the things we did cover, and that is that if you're interested in recycling, if you want to be in an uh, environmentally conscious household, use those terms again. I think you need to get away from wishful or aspirational recycling and you need to put the things in the bin that can be recycled. Keep it simple. When in doubt, throw it out. Fantastic. Leonard, thank you for this. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this because it, it really, it was educational for me. As much as I'm in the recycling industry, I don't know paper as well as you do. I thank you for your time. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very much. And all right. Well, that's, an, out. And that's another episode of Pile of Scrap. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.